Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. You know what to do. I'm going to move the mic away. I'm told that I can't clap because the mic's too close. So I'm going to move it Is way that over the here. Problem? Or could you just do it down there? Anyway, welcome to episode number 105 of the Carmudgeon Show. My name is Jason Camisa, and that is Derek Tim hyphen Scott. And we are part of the Haggerty Podcast Network. That is true. This episode is about drag racing. Yep. Specifically for camera, for the YouTubes, for the YouTube. ultimate drag race replay. Yes. Uh, Derek came out and joined us for a couple shoots, and we have uh, impressions on a lot of different cars. Yeah, uh, like 19 of them or something like that. Yeah. The only thing you didn't drive is the van. I didn't drive the van. No, there were some of the the hot trucks that uh, I didn't drive also. But oh, I drove enough look. of them to get an impression. Okay. That's for so sure. So we have something like 19 different cars. Everything from an Integra Type R to an RS2 to a 500E to a NSX to a... Raptor. Rolls Cullinan to Rolls a Raptor. Rolls Cullinan, yeah. yeah. Raptor. Uh, this is a good, good episode, I hope. Yes. If you'd like to know how the Drag Race replay... Um, process goes uh, they play eight minutes but it takes a lot more than eight minutes to make one that was the primary lesson i learned okay uh, in any case uh, stay tuned for additional content on the subject of drag racing uh, and is that do we have any housekeeping i've clapped i don't know this is not okay right. haggerty podcast network carmudgeon show oh something Ready, about set. haggerty drivers club we probably have to put a link in below about haggerty drivers club Oh, yes. Um, but I don't know. I don't There's know. a magazine and towing. Maybe we can do an insert. We can probably do an insert or something. Magazine and towing and hold on. Discounts on favorite stuff. Oh, valuation tools. Mm. Okay. To know how uh, the market is going. We could discuss the market at some point. It's <sighs> an interesting time out there. Is it? Okay. Uh, that sounds okay. dreadfully boring. I, it sounds like I'm, you know, losing money on my <laughs> Drive 01K or Car 01K. Car 01K. Oh, four-wheeled one. Okay. <laughs> yes. Okay. Four O tires. Should they get that? Deet, deet. Yes. Can you do that sound? Nope. Here we go. I have to pee. Okay. Okay. At some point, we're gonna have to talk. You know. Oh, the cameras are rolling. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well. Good morning. Good it is, morning. It is Monday morning. The crack of Monday morning. Yeah. Yes. We're actually recording this on a Monday morning. We sometimes do that. Not yeah. always. Yeah. Well, we don't want to because, <laughs> no, we don't want to be here on a Monday. We love you. We really do, dear audience. <clears throat> we love you more on a day that's not Monday. Especially in a morning that's not Monday. Yes. Monday. Um, well, we're back. We are. Were we not Back? We were unback. Oh, we took a week off the week before last. Yeah, because we did we did an extra episode for the July Fourth week, which we technically shouldn't have done. So we took a week off, mostly also possibly because we planned poorly and I we didn't have an episode for you guys last week. Yes. Oops. No, the week before last we didn't. <clears throat> I don't remember where we are. Who are you? We were uh, out shooting. So this was cool. We did. We did. 
we put together a triple-headed cooter, as I'll call it. Um, cooter being Camisa's ultimate drag race replay. Get your mind yes. in the Derek. Um, and uh, Derek joined us. Yes, first time. First time. You've been on a... Uh, I was on an suit. icon shoot. GT500. Your, your shirt off. <laughs> you did do that. Yes. What else happened? You were sending sparks. We also made a Christmas card involving a burnout of a 1967 GT500 with superchargers. Yeah. Uh, you remember it was a twin supercharged. Yes. Car. One it. of the only twin supercharged cars I can think of. The other mm. being a car that I drove last week, the... Aston Martin V550 and V600, how twin you, supercharged. How do you drive all? What is a V550 and a V600? God, nobody knows. <clears throat> this this BTS episode is going to do so poorly because nobody knows what these cars are. Uh, Aston Martin's last V8 powered. They, they did this. They let's see. They had three really great engines in succession. The first one was designed by W. O. Bentley. It was an inline six. Uh, that was. Uh, Let's see. W.O. Bentley started a company called Bentley. Get out. Shocking, I know. But what about the W and the O? Uh, Walter Owen. Uh, and he, they ran it into the ground. They went out of business. They spent all their money on racing. And so Rolls-Royce ended up buying the remains of it. And he filled out his, he had an obligation. It's just like when a startup gets bought by Google. You have to work for Google for a few years before you can go do something else. So he did that working at Rolls-Royce, which was annoying for him because they were competitors. And then he went to Laganda because he was like, okay, I'm free. I'm going to go do something I actually want to do. And he designed a V12 at Laganda and a, a twin cam inline six and this guy named David Brown had bought a company called Aston Martin, which had a cool car, uh, but it didn't have a good engine. It had like an ancient engine, but Laganda had this exciting twin cam six that Walter Owen Bentley had designed. So David Brown bought Laganda too to get the engine. And then he took the engine from Laganda and the car from Aston Martin. Anyway, so that was their great inline six. It went as far as about 2.9 liters and then it won Le Mans in 1959. And they're like, okay, we need a new engine. They had this Polish engineer design. They had, it was an employee from Poland who designed, his name was Tarek Marek. He designed an inline six, a twin cam inline six, a bigger one that was 3.7 and later, I think four liters. Uh, and that's the DB5 engine, DB4, mm -hmm. DB5, DB6 engine. Uh, and then they had him do a V8 after that. And that engine was supposed to come out in 1967, but it wasn't done until 69. Uh, and then they used that engine until 2000 uh, in 5.3, 6.3, 7 liters with and without superchargers. They put 32 valve heads on it in 1990 for the Virage. Anyway, it had 550 horsepower in the 90s when a Porsche Turbo had 400 horsepower and a Testarossa had 450 horsepower. And this thing has 550 and later 600 horsepower. It's a monster. The engine, that is. What's the car that it's in? It's a Virage okay. update that was called the V8 Vantage. They had like 93 cars called the V8 Vantage. Yeah, that's why I'm so confused period. about all of them. Uh, and they, this one is usually referred to, the supercharged ones are referred to by their horsepower, which is V550 and V600. Okay. Uh, anyway, I drove one of those last week. That is neither here nor there, other than to say we were talking about cars that have two superchargers. Yes. Uh, those are the only ones I can think of. But if people know of others in the comments, I'd be interested to hear if, if you can think of any other cars that were... And the, the GT500 was barely factory. It was like dealer available mm -hmm. option. Um yeah, I don't. I don't know of any. I mean, there. You know, there's certainly been the twin charge stuff. Yes, which is and turbo supercharged. and supercharged, but two superchargers. Yeah, no, I don't know that. I don't think of. Why I just, can't think. Why of not any. put a bigger one on? Uh, engine bay space. Yeah, I think. I mean, I guess on a V8 you could plumb two of them, each feeding half the engine. Yes, that's right. 
Uh, anyway, that's neither here nor there. Yes. We uh, were we were down at Willow Springs. Willow Springs. It was very hot. It was very hot, although not as hot as uh, the subsequent week, where it was supposed to be like 110 degrees or something like that. Yeah, yeah. We did, we dodged a bullet because we flew to, uh, drove down on I drove down Sunday. Sunday. We filmed Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and then I drove home on Friday. Saturday was 112, was mm. predicted. Mm. Um, the day was like 100. Yeah, days we were there between 100 and 104. Yeah. Um, your car registered 43 or 44 C. My car also registers like 2.5 degrees when it's 68 degrees. It's yeah. t- it needs a new temperature those, sensor. Those all, but all the the, the the bigger the biggest exaggerator was a Lamborghini Urus that we had there that said it was 140 degrees outside. Uh-huh. Um, then your car typical Italian exaggeration. Yeah, your car said 43 C, and then there was another um, a 500 E W124 that said I think it was 118 was the highest it saw. Pavement temps, that could be real. Yeah, yeah. it was on the asphalt. Um, yeah. So yeah, so we did three episodes of Cooter, which I shouldn't tell you about. But which I'm is going the to. Lamborghini Urus um, versus the Mercedes 500E. <laughs> uh, yes, no, not at all. Uh, so the first one was, hold on, which is the one you were there for? Suv. The Suvs. Okay, so this all started because of that. I think I told the story about the Ra- Raptor yes. R versus the Cullinan. Cullinan Highway. Drag race. So that has now become a cooter episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, and my thought there was heavyweights. Everything's got to weigh 6,000 pounds. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, it did. And they, they all did. Actually, so, how much does the Lamborghini Anus weigh? That's the way? only one. The Anus was the benchmark for non... That was 4463 or something. Mm. Um, Positively feathery. Yes, compared to the other. So the 6,000 pound club starts with the Raptor R, the Escalade V, the Cullinan, and the Range Rover long wheelbase uh p530 which is the Mm -hmm. one with the new bmw v8 that was race one race two the winner for race one which i will not divulge goes on to race lamborghini anus um and g63 g63 mg got too many we had had 19 cars that we had to three videos two three videos plus the that video was six six trucks i think yes Yes, that was six a four four car race, which we've never done before. Uh, four wide, it's a little uncomfortable, uh, especially and you know one's the Raptor, which is as wide as two cars. Yes, uh, and then the you know it was so funny watching the Cullinan look pathetic. I mean, it didn't look pathetic, but it was just so apologetically narrow. Yes, compared to and the, delicate. Yeah, it looked great next to the Cadillac. That Escalade V is great looking, um, and the Escalade V and the Cullinan next to each other. I have a shot I'll, I'll put in here. The Escalade V, Cullinan, and then the Raptor behind it lurking in between the two of them. Mm. And he, even like five car lengths back, the Raptor is just like, roar. Yes. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I had my first Raptor experience. Yeah. Uh, so that was episode one. We'll talk about, we'll come back to the Raptor. Mm-hmm. The episode two was Honda's Greatest Hits. Um, so we got, uh, the idea was the sort of benchmark Honda Motors of 30 years ago. So we had uh, NA1 NSX, so three liter, the C, oh God, what the hell was that? C30A, C30A was the engine code for the NSX. Um, then the Integra Type R with B18C5. And then S2000CR, mm-hmm. um, which versus modern Integra, Integra Type S and Civic Type R, which mm-hmm. was a fun race. Um, interesting. It, it was an interesting. Yeah, because you, well, should we, are, we, uh, are we planning on talking about all of them or are we ho- holding Honda for next episode? Uh, as you wish. I don't wish anything. I wish, I wish to go back to bed. Uh, <laughs> third episode was, uh, I called it HBIC, which... I don't think a lot of people know that abbreviation, head bitch really? in charge. Yeah, I don't know. Oh. I mean, I called it that in the script, and Anthony was like, what does this mean? 
Hmm. I'm like, what do you mean? The idea is that you, the, the year is 1995 and you are HBIC. You have money and taste. You have uh, a family, apparently, a family. or dogs. Yeah. <laughs> so it was the world's fastest wagons in 1995. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this would be Mercedes E320 uh, with the twin cam and a dog leg. That belongs to you. Yes. Uh, Not Audi, the fastest. <laughs> Audi RS2, uh, which Fast. is the Porsche built turbo thing. And uh, BMW E34, M5, M5. E34 M5 with a 3.8. Uh, and those were the three fastest wagons in the world. Um, Might have been missing the Volvo 850 T5R. Uh, yes. uh, so this is where you have a penchant for German cars. Well, the the, the line that I wrote was you have a penchant for purple paint because they're all purpley. Yeah. Um, I guess the, the Audi's Nagaro blue. blue. No, not pur- Nagaro. Nagaro's the bright blue. This uh, was a different blue. I forget what it is. Whatever the fuck it is. It was a purpley blue. Yes. So there were the pur- three purple wagons. Mm-hmm. Uh, but unfortunately, we decided the Mercedes was going to get its ass kicked. Uh, Which plus is factual. You would have killed me if we drag raced your car. Um, so been okay. we subbed in a different Mercedes 124 with maybe a, a bit more V8. power. Yeah. <laughs> um, and that fucked everything up because... It's <laughs> a fucking monster. You're giving um, it away. I'm not giving it away, but I'm saying imagine my stress level first of all we have so the so the modern cars episode is uh unbelievably made possible by this company called falcon car rental in la who's we call and ask for i think we called and asked for a urus and the guy who works there is just has to be the coolest person on the planet he's like what else you want and we're like, oh, we're doing like fast SUVs. He's like, you want a Range Rover? You want a Cullinan? You want, I mean, he just was like, what do you want? And we're like, okay, could we have like maybe four of them? Yeah, yeah. what do you want? Which Urus do you want? Which Cullinan do you want? Which P530 do you want? I mean, do long wheelbase short with whatever we wanted, boom, threw him on a truck, just arrived at the racetrack yeah. with a smile. Like, yeah. hey, here is here are four SUVs from you. Getting cars for this fucking show is a nightmare because all the PR people from all the car companies are sackless and they don't want to lose they don't want to lose well you know what it's instrumented testing i think you guys know this the audience of the show is that ultimate drag race replay is a faithful recreation of a real race that is done to scientific standards everything is weather corrected the data that you see is the same way that i tested when i tested for car and driver when i tested for road and track when i tested for automobile and when i tested for motor trend with this is weather corrected actual acceleration numbers and this is an ideal case drag race that's sort of recreated back in reality Right. right, and they're all there on the same day at the same track facing exactly. the same weather conditions. Exactly, all adjusted to SAE fucking standards and whatever. So the goddamn car companies know exactly what their cars are going to run because car drivers already tested them and Motor Trends already tested them. And what they don't like is people being able to see in real time what the fucking numbers already told you. Yes. And so they're a bunch of pussies. And I really fucking hate this show because of that. So... None of the car companies want to participate. So that was a nightmare. So Falcon Car Rental, like they gave a coupon code. By the way, it's like, I don't remember what the hell the discount was that we gave last time. They're going to do the same one. We haven't edited this episode yet. It's fucking massive. So I'll throw the link in somewhere as soon as I get it from those guys. Holy shit, discount. Great guys. Supercars. Amazing. So then, so we get this episode put together thanks to Falcon. And then we come up with this cockamamie idea to like, we got to race Integra Type S and Civic Type R because it was and motor trend got like the slowest time ever out of the uh, out of the acura and i'm like why is the integra type s six tenths of a second slower than the civic type r same engine same transmission same car same tires what the fuck is going on 
They felt quite different. Well, we're going to talk about that in a second. Yes. So I think we'll do that. Well, then we're going to race it against Honda's greatest hits. Either way, I call Honda. Hey, can I have an Integra Type R and, a, and um, uh, an Integra Type S and a Civic Type R? Sure. Okay, any chance that you guys have museum cars? Yeah. What do you want? I tell them. They're like, yeah, we'll send you our NSX. <laughs> we'll send you. they In one phone call, I, I got to give props assembled an entire drag race. An entire episode. Yeah. Right, one phone call and a bunch of logistics, but the Honda fucking killed it on this, and they gave us that beautiful Phoenix Yellow Integra Type R again, which you weren't there the next morning. Oh no! We get there. Randy Popes goes to open the door, and the alarm goes off. Meep, oh, I did hear meep, that. Meep meep, and it's in one of the garages because we're storing the cars inside for Honda, and I and it wouldn't shut up. And Randy's trying everything, and this is going on for like twenty minutes. And now I'm trying to get sound recordings across the track, and all I hear in the background is meep. Meep. This is where you took the battery, right? Well, I pushed the car out. Key fob battery. To get it out of the garage because you can't, yeah, you can't be in the garage with it. And I, then I pulled the fuse for the for the horn. So the car's, the lights are flashing and it's silently going. <laughs> um, and it wound up being the, the battery in the key fob, which is a CR2025, was working because the little light was lighting up, but not strong enough to actually turn the fucking alarm off. Mm -hmm. So we borrowed a 2032 from live our producers Volkswagen key in long enough to just shut the goddamn thing up. But there's like, so imagine my stress level. We have three cars from the nineties that belong to Honda, three, four cars from the nineties that belong to private owners, you plus the other three in that race. And it's a hundred degrees outside. So mm -hmm. my stress level is And 11. some of them are turbocharged. Yeah. And all of them are going to overheat in just normal driving at 100 degrees. So I thought, yeah, I didn't expect the Hondas. I didn't worry about the Hondas, except the fucking NSX was didn't want to start when we first cranked and cranked and cranked and cranked and cranked, cranked and then started. And I'm like, oh my god, this thing's going to blow up. <laughs> then the RS2 blew up when they when those when fucking, they were new. When they were new, RS2s generally, not this specific RS2. Yeah. yeah. To clarify, no RS2s were harmed in the making of this episode. Every car was perfect. I don't understand how that happened. I mean, when I'm we impressed, yeah. when we wrapped and I turned the key off on the 500E for the last run, I'm like, this is unbelievable that we have seven cars from the 1996 of which did repeated probably 40 drag races a piece. Not, when, 500E had a little bit of a stumble. Would occasionally, and it would just go. That's it. Every car was perfect. Not one car got high temp. That's amazing. Yeah. That's amazing. It's really nice also to be there on the SUV day when the cars have air conditioning. <laughs> yeah, nothing had air on the... Actually, the Audi has good air conditioning. Oh, really? Uh, the RS2 has good air conditioning. The M5 had pretty good air conditioning. Uh, and the 500E did not even have a, a fan. <laughs> so I Oh, there was no HVAC fan No HVAC fan at all. Car? So And I drove that for the whole drag race. Uh, so that was in the car, windows closed. The RS2's window stopped working at some point on day one. So we're like, that's it. Don't touch the windows. So Randy drove that the whole time because I thought, if the car blows up, the most defensible thing I can say to the owner is, well, Randy Popes blew your car up mm -hmm. because that's a get-out-of-jail-free card. Um, so Randy was <laughs> dripping sweat the whole time. Uh, it was, yeah, it was You have to have the windows closed. And uh, it's, yeah, that part is... Brutal. Unwelcome. Brutal. I think the one day I lost count after 25 bottles of water. Mm. Um, it was, and then you go to pee and just powder comes out. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. 
So what is your, tell me the story, the, now that we've given the background, tell me the story of your perspective of what filming was like in the, what did you drive, the Anus? The Anus and the P530 Range Rover. Yeah, I think those were the cars that I spent the most time in. Uh, let's see. It Getting to see how the sausage made is, is made is always an interesting experience, mm -hmm. for sure. Um, I mean, how much secret sauce do we want to share? Not any. I'm Not kidding. any? Okay. I mean, no. Uh, <laughs> I mean, getting four cars off the line simultaneously and everybody to be timed correctly and not jump and not have the car you know jump the gun or have the, the car decide it's not interested in engaging launch control that time or something like that mm -hmm. like there's a fair number of moving pieces right. uh and so just the amount of coordination that's involved is pretty substantial i mean I, i've been on many video shoots like uh, in my previous job when I worked for an airplane company we did a lot of video shoots and those are like air-to-air -air aerial shoots and so getting everybody in formation in the sky over radios and a bunch of airplanes like close but not too close to each other mm -hmm. like that is also pretty gnarly so that wasn't entirely new to me but just the number of sort of variables that all have to align and you know you start introducing like delivering lines and stuff like that or like I need the car to do the I need you to pull up in full ABS, Randy, and then I will deliver my line. And then it's like a three minute take of delivering lines. And so you have to coordinate, you know, Randy's arrival at exactly the right place and time with the right amount of tire smoke, uh, with you remembering and delivering all of your lines correctly and not garbling any words with in 105 degrees, with sun. 105 degrees. And <laughs> like everybody else, you know, there's a drag race starting. So everybody else has to be in the cars and everything has to be silent. So you can't have air conditioning or engines running. So everyone's just cooking with the windows closed because that's how the race is being run is with the windows closed so there's just like a lot of moving pieces uh, and then somebody turns up were you there for the subwoofer or was that oh yes I yes and then we had to just send send someone off into the over a wall somewhere to be like can you please turn down that damn music because yeah. we're trying to capture sound here uh, and then like, oh, I need, I need the overrun, like exhaust popping noises. Mm -hmm. So you have to figure out how to get the car to do that. And then, you know, taking a bunch of runs to do that. Uh, and then, yeah, we need to focus on the launch between these two cars and then between those two cars. And then, I mean, it's just a shitload of, it takes an, in, I mean, it, you know, you watch it and it, how long is one of those episodes, eight minutes eight, or something ten, like yeah. that. Mm -hmm. Uh, and so you, you've consumed the, an entire day's worth of like 15 people and a bunch of cars out there in eight minutes of just sort of running around. Uh, this is the this is the debate that Anthony and I have all the time. So when we created this show, it was, do we do what CarWow does, which is just put a bunch of GoPros or cameras in cars and just run the race? Or do mm -hmm. we do it our sort of scientific way where we get testing numbers and then we, we watch the race, the world's most perfect race? That's what we decided on and that means you never see one count you never see a camera right mm -hmm. and, and so remember that if i'm in the car with a headgear that's got my a camera on it so that i you can see the gauges and me looking at the cars side by side that means we can't have another camera looking at that car because you're going to see me with my camera inside or if we have mounted shots where the suction cameras are suction cupped on the outside of the cars and you can't have any drone shots or any other exterior shots mm -hmm. or or if you have the car mic'd up with microphone cables that are running down the length of the car into or the, the 360 the, cam sticking <clears throat> off like a giant unicorn yep. thing so we run the race 40 times probably yeah i mean there's definitely like a lot of, there's like some that are just launches mm -hmm. and so you're like you can shut it down at the top of second gear right and so you're not running a full race that time but you are doing all of the launches 
and then there's some where it's like the finish matters, like getting that kind of instruction from the director where it's like we're focused on the outcome at the finish line. So your launch is not important as long as you guys are all in the right place relative to each other when you mm-hmm. cross the finish line. Right. You know, that type of information is incredibly valuable. So you can know what, you know, what you What's can it, wh- fudge and right. what you can't fudge. Right. And so to there, that's the fudge problem is the problem, right? Yeah. So what, what the end goal is to make it look like you have just seen a perfect race. The reality right. is... There was no camera visible, yeah, the entire time. Exactly. The, and the reality is you're looking at 40 different or 50 different starts and finishes and everything else. Mm-hmm. And it's all based on what we really see. We run the race. Yeah, you run the race like at the beginning, I don't know, two or three times just to see, you know, make sure everybody's gotten a good launch and that, you know, the car didn't do anything weird during mm-hmm. the run. And then you say, okay, here's our baseline data. Here's what we expected to see based on the numbers that are official from wherever. Car and driver, I guess, is what you usually use. I'll use them as a guide first. Yeah. And then you run the, you know, you run run the race and make sure that everything is as you expected. And if it's not, then you're like, okay, well, we revise and adjust. Uh, And then you sort of, every other time you run it from that point on, you make sure that Mm -hmm. what you're getting is representative of that outcome. Exactly. Yeah. So what we'll do, and and different cars will get different, um, different correction so turbocharged get cars don't get much correction at all remember willow's at elevation and standard sae power output is 77 degrees fahrenheit sea level 29.86 77 fahrenheit 77 yeah Mm. um and and zero percent humidity so i have a little weather station i do the testing and we tweak the numbers felt like zero percent humidity it was we were five to eight yeah. Um, but it's 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 a pain in the ass to do. But I'd rather give you guys I, like I'd rather the show not be hey you know me and Randy on the radio the way the Carwell does what they do and they do it great. But we don't want to we want we want to be our we wouldn't do it our way. Sure. Um, but it doesn't really matter. You'll never see a botched launch that's going to fuck up the numbers because it's not about me or it's not about Randy or it's not about you driving one of the cars. It's about this is what happens when you get a perfect launch in perfect uh, conditions. Uh, and so it's the world's most perfect race, which is fucking pain in the ass to do yeah especially you know on cars with no ac that are old that we, we got a baby like mm-hmm. getting that rs2 off the line poor randy yeah i mean he was and i so what i did on that car is we don't have instrumented testing numbers from an rs2 in the u.s ever i don't know how modified that car is they're all modified all turbocharged cars are modified in the world according to jason but it's also running on 91 california fuel so we don't know where that's going to come uh, come in same with the e34 m5 we have the u.s car had 311 horsepower and weighed 30 whatever the fuck it was 37 and change so we have like our instrumented testing numbers corrected instrumented testing numbers from back in the day but we don't have them for a wagon which wound up weighing 192 pounds more much of it, it over the rear axle yeah that car is for traction 52 or 53 percent uh, rear weight bias. So mm-hmm. I brought scales. I mean, we do this the right and way. It's a 3.8 liter, but a five speed. Yeah. So 3.8 liter with a five speed. It, uh, so it wound up being right around 4,000 pounds. I don't remember the final number, but we weighed it. We weigh it. With 340, 340 horsepower PS. instead of 300, uh, 340 PS right, instead of like 315 PS. Yes, exactly. So we ran the numbers. And so that, that was pretty cool, but that meant a pretty aggressive launch. But I do those one, two, three times get until I know what the number is going to be. Um, and then I left a V-Box and a Draggy in each of the RS2, for example, and M5 all day just to make sure we never beat the numbers that I got. And we didn't. Um, so that's that's how we, we manage that. But Jesus Christ, that Audi is magnificent. That's my favorite Audi ever made. But what a 
bitch to get off the line. Yeah, because you are balancing either between just absolutely frying the drive line or just completely bogging down and hanging out in no turbo land for like a day. <sighs> yeah, two to three weeks. What I could tell you is I don't remember what the zero to sixty we got was five two five three was the quickest I think we oh, saw. Okay, not bad. Um, that car was I think originally they said four eight. And here's the thing: could I have gotten a four eight out of it? Absolutely. What a cost! Maybe a gearbox. <laughs> well. Yeah, on those cars, I don't, I don't know what the, what the weakest, weakest link, link is. is, but we can't do that. Yeah. I can't take this privately owned car. So the owner of this car is a magnificent gentleman. He's incredibly cool, um, incredibly generous for letting us use the car. While he's out of the country, he's like, yeah, just pick it up. Um, but there's a limit to his generosity, and that comes at the point where we break something, and then I have to go source a $10,000 transmission or something else, and that's you know blows our, our production budget. So the launch that we got on that car is probably the time that we published and the launch that wound up in the, in the episode is probably better than 99% of the people. It's Randy. Right. <laughs> right. Will be, he matched my time. He never, I think we were right on top of each other. Um, he you're never going to beat that in the real world the 48 was a red line sidestep on the clutch yeah. um, with period tires that were not nearly as grip as the tires grippy that the tires on there so they probably it probably lit up all four and hooked up in the middle of the power power uh, like power zone we couldn't there's no way we were going to spin a tire on that on really sticky modern tires on a hot day on a hot day and there was no way i was dropping the clutch at 7200 i mean you know you can just re you can build boost by just you know rev 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 rev, rev full throttle not doing that so yeah maybe maybe that car in period when it didn't belong to the test magazines whatever could have pulled off a 4.8 bullshit well yeah i mean it's an old car you never know i mean the yeah. thing has a hundred and something thousand like it has like one hundred and eighty thousand kilometers or something like that it's got you know miles on it i think uh, yeah 160 i don't know it has, I, what a shame know, what a shame miles. honestly to do a drag race show on half of these cars especially the rs2 because i had to drive it back to our airbnb to have it picked up the next morning and i just couldn't stop smiling yeah what just even normal driving what an absolute gem yeah that's, I totally agree. I mean, this is the car that we used for our BTS episode. Same car, same owner, obviously. I also did one lap of the track. Oh, yeah? And? The only Audi I've ever driven that's tuned properly. It is almost neutral mm -hmm. from a chassis uh, standpoint. and Which is remarkable given which, that the engine is fully in front of the yeah. front axle line. And we'll so get, much so that the radiator is next to the engine next, instead of exactly. in front of the engine. Yeah, the thing that's furthest forward is the timing belt. Um, <laughs> yes, yeah, not the radiator. Magnificently well balanced. Any amount of sideways you would like is available to you, just with a throttle lift or a quick flick in. Um, it's the only truly beautifully handling ha handling Audi I've ever driven, except mm. obviously you know R eight. That was it, like Audi layout car. It's fucking yeah. unbelievable how is the uh i've never driven a b7 rs4 i've heard they're very that's good. number two that's second place it's good it's steady state oversteer no matter what you do unless you're violent with it or you are oversteer. really uh, steady state understeer i'm sorry a steady state understeer you can get around it by flicking the car in i'm going back 15 years now but you can get around it by sort of flicking it or throwing it into a corner under a good trail break um it doesn't want to slide the way the rs2 does but you could make it do that mm -hmm. um that motor that 4.2 liter was 
from the gods. I mean, that was engine was epic. Control weight was perfect on that car. Uh, RS4 is second place and wonderful. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. That's but consistent I, with what I've heard about yeah, those cars. The, the RS2, is the, the lag is just, is the absolute killer. Yeah. Um, I mean, at least it's a six speed, but uh, so the ratios are more numerous and closer. It's better than a 930. It's an order of magnitude better than a 930, which is... Well, the, the six-speed actually hurt it a lot in the drag race really? because you're shifting. It, so it's closely spaced short gear ratios. Mm -hmm. And the problem is by the time the thing gets finally gets boost, it's time to shift. And then you're waiting again. Mm -hmm. Every time you shift that thing, you, you're losing a second because, you know, you get full boost red line, you shift, and then it's... And that big delay really hurts it. It yeah. would be faster in instrumented testing if it had much longer gears. Mm. Um, but yeah, it's all like all those turbocharged cars. They In the real world, you probably end up with fewer situations where the car is falling on its face, though, with six close ratios because enough, yeah. there are fewer places where... The, the problem with the 930 always was there were certain situations where if you were going a certain speed, there was no gear in mm, which you could yeah. access boost. And so you're just really stuck. If you have six close speed, close ratios, then you can eventually find a gear where there's like, oh, yes, there's I'm boost 4, if I choose this gear yeah. given this current road speed. Whereas the right. 930 just had these holes where it was just like not available. Mm -hmm. Like if you're not already on boost at this point, it's not an option. Computer says no. Yeah. <laughs> um, the... The funny thing to me is the RS2 felt by far the fastest. Um, yeah, because it's it pulls so aggressively yeah. once the boost is hit. It's just it spends for all of that time. It spends a lot of time not going anywhere. Yeah, yeah. It was it was very much a reminder of. I'm, I'm not going to tell you the outcome of the race, but a reminder. It reminded us of the thousand horsepower two JZ Supra that we had mm -hmm. that got its ass completely handed to it by a modern. Um, Z, uh, modern Supra, like the Z4 base Supra, because just the area under the curve. I mean, that yeah. the new Supra has got you know the eight speed that does not drop boost in between shifts mm -hmm. and just pulls and pulls and pulls and pulls and pulls and pulls. And the thousand, yeah, and it's got all this torque at 1800 RPM yeah. or wherever. And the yeah. you know, the old car, its peak acceleration was far greater, right? But overall, it's they're slower. Um, mm -hmm. it's an interesting phenomenon to watch. Um, I was really impressed with that Range Rover. Mm -hmm. that thing is fucking fast yes typical it seemed like a typical bmw thing right like that the engine is is quoted as having however many horsepower and it being this fast but it seemed like it was kind of always there like there were certain times where and it just depended on the launch also it, it helped that the thing had like dynamic launch control equivalent whatever they call it i forget what they call it but it had some form of launch control effectively so getting reliable launches from that thing once you figure out how much time it takes between when you say go and when it actually goes because yeah. my first few launches in that range rover it was like i was behind the curve and everyone had left by the time that i was underway because the car kind of delays uh departing mm -hmm. a little bit it yeah. it doesn't launch less, like that launch less hard it just the, takes, the yeah. amount of time between when you hear the word go and when it departs is, is what it is is holding the brakes slightly yes. right so you're brake torquing full throttle or you know some level of throttle some brake and you pull yeah. off the brakes and you think that would be instant but it's not yeah um torque converter launch control and torque converter cars is fucking weird because frankly they don't need it right so yeah. what they're doing is uh the escalade v has launch control also torque converter and what it'll do is just allows 1500 rpm 
basically full throttle, but it cuts timing or it cuts ignition and fuel. So you hear, and it's doing that to not overheat the transmission, but let you get to full throttle immediately. Um, and, and then often cars will then, once you're in launch control mode like that, they'll shift differently. Mm. So Volkswagens are famous in the DSG cars for going 500 RPM into the rev into the red in launch control. And mm. so you get, and then slam shift instead of a, uh, instead of a smooth Slurry. shift. Yeah. Um, and so you get a better zero to 60 run and better quarter mile than you would in the real world if you didn't do launch control, which is a little bit disingenuous. But Volkswagen, but all, disingenuous. But super, the, the biggest surprise. No, of, first of all, <laughs> yes. <laughs> it goes into a certain mode where then it knows what's happening and then it decides to do something differently. Amazing. <clears throat> um, yeah, no. E- even Subarus do this. Like this was the craziest thing. I brought it to the Subaru engineer's attention, and he's like, "We don't have the resources to do that." And I'm like, "Bullshit!" It was an is an Outback. I will, God, now I'm gonna have to find this video. If you matted this car, it was like, you know, like Legacy, the big car, mm-hmm. matted it off the bat, it would just go to like, hold on, which way was it? It would go to 5,000 and then simulate shifts. That's a CVT? A CVT. If you brake torqued and then launched, it would go straight to the power peak and hold it. Hmm. And I measured the zero to 60 and I think it was two or three tenths quicker if you brake torqued it and that's a cheat sheet and it's an optimization right they're saying well if you're brake torquing you need maximum acceleration and this is what this car can do um but i found that so shocking that even subaru was like we don't have resources to do that showed it them like oh somebody figured this out <laughs> that's rather clever um yeah there's so many tricks that they all play um but the shift the the shift strategy one is a is a big one they have, some cars will really shift very differently when mm. once i was impressed by the range rover i mean it was supposed to be the slowest uh of the group can I give that away? I just did. Uh, Too late now. I, it was supposed to be the slowest of the group, but there were definitely times where I had to sort of like, oh, I'm, I'm crowding, I'm crowding uh, someone else who didn't get as good of a launch that time yeah. or something like that. So there are two factors that really fuck with us, right? Number one is some cars are more consistent than others. Some, yes. some cars will start to slow down. When we, and again, it's 110 degrees. Uh, you know, pro, it, the intake air temperature on the Raptor was consistent. The lowest I saw was 135 degrees Fahrenheit. And the highest was like 150, 160, 170. So they're really heating up even though the gauges are perfectly yeah they always are calibrated just hang out in the middle and you're not actually getting any information from the temperature gauge other than whether the head gasket has blown exactly (laughs) too late um and we're on california shit 91 fuel right so they're they're all going to be pulling timing versus the 93 that they're tuned on Mm -hmm. um and some will start to slow down more than others. Yes, um, we definitely noticed that throughout the day. The Range Rover, of course, was the same all the time. Fucking BMW, man. They yeah. are, I, we give BMW a lot of shit, but where powertrain is concerned, yeah. wow. And the Lamborghini also did a very good job, I th- or the no, second day. The Lamborghini got really slow for a while there. Yeah. Um, in fact, the Raptor day two got really slow at one point, to which point I asked a friend who works in the industry, who works in car delivery like has ford ever asked you to put 100 octane in this kind of stuff yeah because um, we had put fresh fuel in from a regular pump and we were and wondering whether that was related yeah it lost like three four miles an hour in the quarter mile and then boop came back so yeah. it was pissed off about something um but the the escalade v i think was the one that slowed down the most yes um and okay enormous supercharged v8 Cal- uh, gm has had i don't want to call it problems in the past but they've had uh the inconsistency inconsistency. the cars have heat soaked and some of the the corvettes would overheat 
uh, the Camaros would overheat. It never overheated, never really pulled a lot of power, but did get slower than... Less snappy yeah. than it had been before, yeah. Um, noticeably so. But then comes right back as soon as it, you know... As it cools down. As it cools down. Yeah. Um, where, I got to tell you, the, the car with the most accurate temperature gauge of all of them was the 500E. Mm. yes that is it because so, it's an old-fashioned german gauge and right. so it's actually telling you temperature and it's calibrated in degrees like actual numbers as opposed yeah. to hot normal cold and hot well and so even bmw see the e34 has the dead up and down needles always gauge. right in the middle right and that middle spot is good for from about 75 degrees celsius to about 110 degrees celsius like the gauge just doesn't move in between that area so and so you know there's like a hack at least in e39s i don't know if e34s have this but if you go through the little menu of the mm -hmm. digital display below it you can actually get actual temperatures temperature. and degrees yeah. and see how much variation you're getting in actual degrees of water temperature even though the needle isn't moving on the gauge so this the bmw and the mercedes next to each other is the reason why nobody has real temperature gauges anymore so yes. bmw never fucking moved once and it has a real oil temp gauge and it was never went over 107 so it was nice and cool that car did spectacularly the 500e doesn't have an oil temp gauge but has a real coolant temp gauge and it would sit there at 97 while right we're below idling the, which is so the calibration on this gauge is that like it's it runs vertically on the side uh, it's a needle but uh basically pointed the one third mark is what 80 degrees in that yeah. car and the two-thirds mark is 100 degrees? Yeah, there's 8,100 and the 120. Yes. So 100 degrees in that car, which is a perfectly acceptable coolant temperature gauge, is angled upward in a way that looks concerning. 10 o'clock, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and when you're driving, so the, those cars typically have 85 or 87 or 89 degree thermostats yes. in them. So that on the highway, they'll sit at 87, which is basically nine o'clock-ish. Yeah, horizontal. Little, horizontal. For, which is what you want to see in a temperature gauge. And then you stop... And it's got a mechanical fan on the front. With a fan clutch. With a fan clutch. And it's it will creep up to about 100. And then that mechanical fan will click on. Yes. At idle, it'll continue to go higher than that. And I noticed on that car at 110, the supplemental fans electric, electric fans. fans come on. Yes, um, which is normal for, for an M119 car. Yeah. That's all perfectly normal. Yes. But I am seeing these temperatures and I'm like, remember, we're borrowing this car from someone. I'm not going to let this fucking thing get hot. So every time we come to a stop, I'm in neutral at 2000 RPM. Yeah, so that the mechanical fan is spinning and cool, running air across the radiator right. uh, because at idle, it's not moving enough air across right. the radiator. That car idles at 550. Yeah. So 550 to 2000 is four times the speed. And so yeah. you hear <gasps> this yeah, big, beautiful sound. And you can watch the gauge come right yeah, down. You, you literally hold it there like that for 15 seconds and you can see the gauge on the, the temperature gauge moving Drop. downwards. Yeah. It's true of all Mercedes of that era. I mean, yeah. Uh, yeah. M104 powered cars do this as well. My 2316 is slightly different because it has a freewheel clutch. It's not viscous. Mm -hmm. So it's freewheel or on. Mm -hmm. And as soon as I hear that click on, I clutch in and go to 3000 rpm and just it it will be three or four seconds it'll come down from 110 to 90 like that mm -hmm. but this car i saw 107 once i was never going to let it go to 110 so i just backed off immediately and just held it at 3000 rpm and drops yes. um but anthony asked me at one point he's like is the, is the 500 e overheating and i'm like no, no no i'm just protecting it but what you don't know is all the other cars are doing exactly the, every one of those cars was probably hitting 115 112 really yeah, but hot there's no resolution of information right. provided to the driver to to convey that and of course the average driver of one of these cars is going to be like oh this is concerning yeah you know but also it should be said to anyone who owns a mercedes of this era 
that you want to make sure you have a good fan clutch because yeah. that technique doesn't work if your fan clutch doesn't work and if your electric fans are on all the time like my first 500e definitely needed a fan clutch and you'd mm-hmm. hear the electric fans on all the time because the fan clutch wasn't ever locking the fan up and mm-hmm. so the, the mechanical fan wasn't spinning enough and so this is a common thing if you hear electric fans on a lot in one of those cars without ac on because they go on yes. immediately with ac on. yes um yeah, the M5 at one point, uh, uh, the, the driver of the M5 just blipped the throttle, started you know, started to move, whoom, and all I hear is, yeah, and I was like, air oh moving. my God, keep that at three grand. And he's like, why? The gauge is at 90. I'm like, just hold it there for a second. And it, the amount of heat that that fan expelled, um, gauge never moves, but you hear the, the at some point, the, the clutch starts to release. So you get yeah, this, and then, and then the fan noise dissipates, even though the revs have not yeah. changed. So my point was, anytime you go to move, or we're steady just hold it at 2000 until the fan goes away and then yeah. 30 seconds later a minute later it'll come back on but there's a lot of times we're waiting for the drone we're waiting for camera to come up just keep them nice and cool yeah. but it worked yeah the audi by the way of all things with that radiator mounted on the side with no airflow to it never gauge never moved and that's a real gauge hmm. um the fan was on all day the electric, Never, fan. The electric fan so there's no room for a mechanical fan right because well, yeah it's and the side. engine is over there anyway it's <laughs> not near the radiator the car. If, you had, and elect- uh, if you had a, a mechanical fan it would just be cooling the outside of the engine <laughs> <laughs> it would be a propeller car yes. be an airplane at that point uh, but that was interesting. The, the, the fan was on low speed the entire day. Never turned. I never heard it turn off. And then it would click on high when the gauge went from 95 to like 99 or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, what a well-sorted car that was because mm-hmm. that turbocharged in those temperatures with shitty gas, mm-hmm. consistent, fast as fuck. Mm-hmm. What a pain in the ass um, to, to deal with. But really did well. That's good. Okay. Sorry I missed that day. I was only in attendance for... The, one of the SUV days and half of the Honda day. Yeah, we wound up splitting them. You, it was a bit of a strange thing because due to the, the availability of the cars, we did all three episodes uh, not sequentially. So the first thing we did was stand-ups for the third episode and then came back and we're doing the SUV races. And it was a little bit higgledy-piggledy, as the Brits would say. Is that uh, actually something they say? Higgledy-piggledy? Yeah. 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 I mean, sort of like all over the place. Cattywampus. Cattywampus implies crooked. Higgledy yes. piggledy is like oh, like slipshod. Slipshod means careless. Oh. Higgledy piggledy means random. Willy nilly. No, that. How do? Why can't we don't? Why don't I have a Google machine here? It means sort of like uh, um, jumping around, non heterogeneous. Mm. So like or sort heterogeneous. of heterogeneous. I've definitely heard someone from the British Isles called heterogeneous. Heterogeneous instead oh, of wow. heterogeneous. Yeah. So not inconsistent. Sort of yes, yes. All over the place. I, there's got to be a word for that. Anyway, uh, it was a hell of a shoot. I mean, we somehow managed to pull off three three episodes um, in 3.9 days. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I was impressed by the overall efficiency. I mean, Anthony runs a very tight ship. He'll just be like, yes, we got it. No, we didn't. Do it, yep, again. Do it again. And the next shot is this. I need you guys here yeah. and now. I mean, he he's very efficient. He spends it's a- very easy to lose time to be like, uh, let's see, what do we do next? We should like maybe do this or that. Mm-hmm. Or like, he's just like, here's what's next. I mean, he's Never. very clearly looking at an agenda and just banging it out. He will say, for example, all right, we will be doing the stand up until 11 o'clock. And then uh, from 11.04 to 11.10, it's, nothing's written down. It's in his head. Uh, he's got a little couple notes, but you know, like we'll be doing this and we'll break for lunch at 1225 and he will say, all right guys, it's lunch. And I'll look down. It's 1224. Um, he is to the minute. 
Um, yeah. And that's actually his, of all the positive, he's effectively my best friend. Uh, I spent certainly more time with him, uh, interacting with him than he does with his wife or <laughs> any, and I do with anyone else. But he is, his best ability is that of managing time. So he'll come in with a, you know, we'll, I'll write the script. He'll help me revise it. We'll go through and punch it up and make it a little bit more fun. Um, he's, I'm really good at criticizing things that are there. He's really good at criticizing things that aren't, aren't. And I'm bad at that. I'm bad at noticing the absence of something. Mm -hmm. So he'll be like, hey, read the script. I didn't learn this. Or you forgot to talk about this. Or, or tell me more about this. discontinuity mm -hmm. between here and there. I need you to get me there yeah. explicitly. He's great about that. So that's his sort of script supervisor role. And then he falls into the the production planner and, and director role. And that's his real benefit, which is... I've never seen anything like this. He's to the minute, understands exactly what he's got to do. And because he's great at editing, he edits sequences in his head. So he'll come up with a shot list based on how he wants to transition from scene to scene. Um, and so he's got a mental checklist of everything we need to do. There's never one minute wasted. Yeah, I was very impressed by that because it's very easy to lose time. Yeah sort of like uh, just trying to get yourself mentally organized around what is or isn't happening yet. Realistically, that show should take two to three days per episode and we get them banged out in a day. Everyone is exhausted by the end, but we yes. got it. Um, yeah. and but also, I mean, everyone is utilized, right? Because yeah. if you're just standing around in the sun, it's just you get tired even if you're not doing anything. And so trying to minimize the amount of time that people have to be standing around. I think the hardest cooking. part for everyone is when I'm doing stand-ups, right? And we try to do them in the morning and the evening when the sun is lower, so I, I look less old and fat and terrible. Um, <laughs> but um, it's brutal on everyone because you're just standing around trying to coordinate. And like you said, <laughs> hey, Randy, ABS to a stop. I'm standing right in front of him so he can't fuck up. Um, and I trust Randy completely. Um, you know, ABS to a stop, and sometimes he'll be three feet too far. Mm -mm, go back and do it again. Sometimes he, then he's a foot soon i mean you're he's really coming you to stand next home. to where he's gonna stop to be fair i do now we had we had a, <laughs> a moment uh, we had a couple we've had a couple moments of the years i mean even the uh when i did the the front end fell off of the uh Hyundai. Hyundai, uh the camera was directly in front of me and he got hit by the hood um i mean taylor poor taylor oh, taylor yeah. the camera guy is the hardest job of anyone yeah he's standing there with this ridiculously heavy rig and whatever and he did get hit in the foot but with the with the, the hood <laughs> but it didn't like it you know thank god just boink, stopped at his toes yeah um but yeah we often do that where they're right in front but you know we're, i can step out of the way i'm watching in the corner of my eye uh but then it's timing my stupidity you know like and me not fucking up and no noise in the background and no planes and no mm -hmm. nobody on the drift pad and mm -hmm. we had oh my god we had a you weren't there we had somebody break onto the track so we're in the middle of the i hope this person is in jail um we're in the middle of the front straight. The cars are stopped. And I don't remember what we were doing. Oh, it was a conversation between me and Randy. I, he was in the... In, doing a stand-up. Well, we were in car. So Got in it. car next to each other, bantering. And we see this white SUV come flying through the paddock. And then on the radio immediately, Liv, our producer's like, hey, there's a vehicle coming on the track. And we watched this, I think it was some shitty SUV, um, do a lap at big speed big speed like actual fast and the security guys went after her as it turns out and she just broke onto the track with the kids in the back and they videoed the whole fucking thing and i think they deserve to be shot and killed 
Mm. Um, and because yeah, you're out there just standing on the track. We could have been, I mean, we drive the wrong direction on track at full speed. We do, there's a lot of stuff when you're filming, it's not conventional track rules where you're, you know, yes, yes. you're going one way. We have no corner workers because it's just us and we know where we are. And there are times, especially when we're doing icons or whatever we're filming, we're backwards over blind crest. This dumb fucking bitch could have killed her kids, herself, and one of us. Um, but hopefully that never happens again. That was so. Terrifying. Did they detain her? No, she escaped. So she they they were following her. She went around them and just drove right out. We don't know how she got on premises. We don't know how yeah, she got past the gate. Yeah, must have driven right in. Mm -hmm. um, really scary. Really like so. All right, next time we, we told the management people. Next time that happens, like we want helicopters. Go fucking chase them. But it's all fun and games until someone dies. Yes. Um, you know. I mean, who thinks to go? break onto a racetrack and do a lap with your fucking kids in the car how did you know there were kids in the car so they know. drove right by me mm. six feet away no 20 feet away right by we're i'm stopped in the middle of the track she it was unbelievable wow yeah <laughs> so there's always excitement <clears throat> yeah whether you like it or not at least the car's all held up yep um what else i i had other observations i'm sure what did you think of the urus um <laughs> this is so typical i got in it smelled like cheap cologne and that summarizes the car i don't i mean i've, I've driven a urus before my mm. first uh, this is my overriding first impression of the urus the first time i ever got in one uh the back seat is so low rent it's I, like i was shocked to discover how expensive the car is because you you look in the back seat and you're like this is like ford explorer level yeah. like in terms of like the austerity of the upholstery and just like the plushness and the general finish i was really surprised like it's much less nice in the back than like a, a cayenne which it is based on mm -hmm. i don't understand how that got out the door um the whole car even the front the switch gear feels cheap as shit yeah the ui of just the interacting with the gear change like had i not ever operated a urus before if i was having to, to get in this thing and move it the first time because the first time I was like i need this car on the starting line okay like if i had had to do that without having operated a urus before i would have been like um and it's not like a ferrari which makes sense but is different it's dumb yeah because part elements of the gear change are like conventional automatic and then but then you're like how do you get drive yeah so you pull a lever back for reverse yeah which is like a fairly normal interaction and there's an r on it so right. you're like okay that's obviously but there's reverse. no d yeah there's no d and then the p is like a button there that's like fairly nearby mm -hmm. so you're like okay i figured that out but yeah there's no w obvious way to select drive in that car yeah and so like having driven ferraris that w i ultimately figured it out by just doing that because that Pulling was paddle, what, what right. ferraris do uh but yeah that that to me was is nonsensical um gimmick gimmick gimmick, gimmick yeah gimmick yeah it's just it's meant for it's it's an incredibly tasteless vehicle i think so too the performance other, is incredible well no actually when i was car, operating it it was nice to be the best runs we got out of that car were vastly slower than the instrumented testing that every magazine has gotten from it really it was running full fat when i was in it never never got even close so it was supposed to be an 11 2 at 122 i think was the published numbers and i don't remember what our corrected numbers wound up coming into but it's not even close and so here's the thing we don't know it's a rental car 
We don't, this is, this is what I want to say to the manufacturers. Hey, Lamborghini, if you're fucking listening, if you're upset about your performance of your car, it's because we have no choice but to go rent one. And again, Falcon, fucking amazing guys. But there's a very you big know difference. That thing's running around with codes stored. It, or? it did. It threw, threw, it did throw a code and a check engine light. And it was for, I checked it, of course, and cleared it. It was, uh, it was an intake air temp sensor fail or whatever it was. So it actually didn't slow the thing down, didn't change it. But it was, I think a half a second through the quarter mile slower than we expected. Hmm. Um, and we I don't, just remember driving past everybody when I was driving. Yeah, no, it was still the, the, it was still fast, right? But that was the benchmark, but it was not nearly as fast as it should be. And there's a very big difference between a manufacturer-owned car that they give us for a drag race that we know has 91 octane or 100 or whatever else the bullshit they want to put in it because it arrives with a full tank of gas. But there's a very big difference between a manufacturer-owned car that we know is to the original specs Mm-hmm. And something somebody could have put eighty seven yeah, thirteen thousand miles on yeah. it, and probably had eighty seven in it. Somebody rented it probably and put eighty seven in it. Well, that's as a manufacturer the what you fucking get for not yeah. wanting to play. Lamborghini has been the biggest bunch of pricks about this whole fucking thing, and our car our customers aren't interested in speed. Are you fucking kidding me? It's literally the only thing they care about, other than just being ostentatious and gaudy and a bad taste. So that that really pissed me off because it threw the whole fucking script. We had to revise everything. You know, all of the other cars do did what we expected them to do. Right? Mm -hmm. We got the same numbers that that everyone else has published and whatever. This car was way off. Not cool. Mm -hmm. Not cool. Um, And it was way off. I think it was even off of the Cayenne GT that we had uh the kind of turbo gt that we had which the same engine same car whatever blah 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 it wasn't even that as fast as that thing was mm-hmm. um fucking annoying yeah so i think those are pointless i dislike that they exist i get that they're printing cash with them so yeah. sure, sure carry they on they made more euruses in, in in the last five years in the five years of the euro so far than lamborghini made in its first that lamborghini made, made cars, cars in its first 50 yeah i so, believe that it's a sales success i get it but i hate it the Cullinan, did you drive it? I didn't, no. Mm. Um, pretty interesting because it's got waftability tuned yeah. in. So you floor it and it just does this ramp of power. And right. I thought, oh, this thing's going to get crucified. Nope. Brake torque it, motherfucker, flies off the line. Yeah. Again, BMW, powertrain, brilliant powertrain. Mm-hmm. Um, but the to me, the disappointing thing was the the door handles everyone commented on the door handles you go to grab the rear door handle and it feels like the flimsiest it feels inexpensive yeah yeah it's too much plastic it's the the it's too large and the temperature was too warm it didn't Mm. feel cold it didn't feel like expensive it felt cheap it felt genuinely rental car cheap and the cup holders in the back seat were even worse i didn't experience those yeah i was disappointed i mean the, the overall the presentation the whole the whole thing felt nice the problem was the raptor rides better and i thought i was out of my mind because i got in the colon and i'm like because there are all these like tar strips on the track what the fuck i get out and looks 23 inch wheels whatever and i say to randy i'm like you know randy's like what do you think and i'm like i think it rides like shit and he's like don't be ridiculous jason it's a rolls royce i'm drive the raptor and he comes in and he's like "Mm, sidewalls (laughs) yeah because of course the, the raptor has 17 inch wheels with 10 inch sidewalls uh on all, each side on each side yeah yes so all of the things that the the raptor didn't even notice were jarring in a rolls royce and that's a weird time to be alive but yeah. that's part of dub culture right yeah, i guess 
You got to have big wheels. It's part yeah. of the street credibility. Yeah, just such a shame. Escalade V. I mean, you know, I got a ticket in that car, or I got pulled over in the car for the exhaust. Oh so yeah, the loud. last time when you had the press car because yeah. they were like, "This thing is modified. It's too loud," and you're like, "This is actually how it comes from the factory." I mean, the cop, the cop when he pulled over, pulled me over. If you remember, I made him laugh. He said, "You know, I pulled you over." I'm like, "Oh my god, this thing is fucking loud!" And he looked at me like I was crazy. I'm like, "No, seriously, holy shit!" I floored it and thought, "You're gonna shoot me," and so it immediately disarmed. But I'm like, "Well, this is fucking stock. Like, holy shit." um man that thing not not just loud it's but sounds... the characteristics of the noise it's like oh. just raunchy it's really raw oh. it's raucous in the right way it's not yeah. flatulent like no some of the no it's are. like old school just big v8 noises yeah. uh the amazing thing was were you there when it started yes. in the morning the, the next morning and you're like <laughs> you start the raptor and it's really loud and really? raucous yeah. and you're just like holy sounds shit great. Yeah, and, and it was just coming off of cold start high idle, I think. Yeah, so it's got that loaded. Yeah. And over that, yeah. the fucking Escalade, I jumped out of my skin. That was yeah. twice as loud. Because there's a sort of percussiveness to it. It's like the the you can almost hear the individual combustion pulses yeah. coming out of the exhaust pipes. And the, it, you, the noise that it makes, you expect the exhaust pipes to be sort of like four inches Gone. in diameter each. <laughs> it just... It's like a drain pipe. Oh my God. The GM, what GM does better than probably anyone, one of the things that GM does really well is the explosive start. Yeah. So Ferrari does this well. You know, there's some car companies where Ferraris are just loud. They don't, they don't to me, they don't sound good. You're talking about the, the initial flare the initial of like flare. just wow. Because that, the Cadillac just does wow like yeah. holy shit i don't know how they do that yeah but i literally jumped and yeah. over the raptor yeah oh my god it's yeah. amazing that thing is quite the apparatus like it's so absurd i love it i love raptor, not as much as the raptor i like the raptor better the raptor has a use case that is to me more satisfying i mean the escalade is the world's per most perfect uber like I want a Ferrari, but I need to I need to hold seven passengers in comfort. Yeah, um, that uh, the Raptor. The best part about it is you can put it in rear drive mode, and mm -hmm. I did, and it was ninety two miles an hour when it finally hooked up the rear wheels. It was in fourth or fifth, maybe top fourth. I don't well, remember. It's Ten speeds. Holy shit! It, it's just so perfectly controllable because the wheelbase is so long. Yeah, I ripped a quarter mile long burnout. Yeah, it was fucking epic. My impression of that car is really colored by the gearbox because there's so many gear ratios. Like you, you're just constantly downshifting, coming up to a stop, and the revs never go high because yeah. the thing has so many gear ratios that are so close that you never can get to 3,500 RPM because you're slowing down at the same rate that the gear changes are happening. You, I, I just leave them in drive. Yeah. Uh, you laughed. I haven't seen you laugh that hard since you drove the cabbie on a... But that was uh, when we were going up the uh, driveway. Yeah, yes. that's when you finally were like pushed it. Well, yeah, I mean, like, I wanted a bumpy situation. On the road, it just, it feels so ponderous. It's so big. It, it just takes up all of the lane on a two-lane road. I just didn't feel like I had any margin left to play with to, in, on a two-lane road. You don't. Yeah, I mean, it's huge. It's absolutely enormous. But on a single-lane road, mm -hmm. somehow it's different. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> on a driveway. It, uh, what I love about it is it's basically a 700 horsepower rear wheel drive version of my bitch basket. It is completely and totally overwhelmed with its own power. Yes. Uh, it's soft, squishy, roly poly, communicative, yeah. talkative, yeah. fucking silly. Exciting no matter what. Yeah. 
Yeah, I, I I got a ton of value out of it. I was like, man, I I like I have absolutely no need for anything like this in any sense. Like, I don't need a bed. I don't need something that tall. I don't need anything with four wheel drive capability. I don't need any of the things that it can do. But I was like, man, I would like to re-engineer my life so that there's a use case for this because this thing is really I mean, entertaining. If like, I had to take well, one of the eighteen cars away that we had, I think it'd be the Raptor. Over the NSX, the Integra Type R, yes, the Integra Type yes. S, that Civic Type R. Next episode, we're going to talk about that next episode. Ah, yes, we should we should discuss. Okay, uh, but yeah, I really enjoyed the Raptor. I wish there was a reason why I needed such a thing. <laughs> Part of the problem is, I mean, I think my garage would probably accommodate it. Um, I think it'll accommodate. I mean, that garage is tall enough for a lift. Yeah. Okay, mine wouldn't. Uh, it wouldn't. It's not tall enough height wise. Uh, I have a, a wide no. door and a tall door i think it would mm. fit but uh i just what would you do with that in living in, in an urban area you know torture everyone yeah but you would never be able to you'd have to it'd be like um it's like a car with no bumpers like the miura i can't take anywhere and leave it because it has no bumpers and I so mean, you same can't, with the lotus. Yeah. can't park it anywhere you the only place you can go is for a drive i Having lived with F-250s and Raptors in the Bay Area, it's a pain in the... Even a regular F-150 is a pain in the ass here. They work fine. They work fine in Michigan. They work fine in the Midwest. They work fine in Texas. They're, it's a different different geographic scale. Yeah, the, the, yeah, exactly. The scale is different. Yeah. But I still love it here. I mean, yeah. I can't have one. First of all, I can't afford one. But Yeah, I, they're $111,000 for the... Come on, who cares? What, what at $111,000 will give you that much laughter? motorcycle on four wheels <laughs> i haven't laughed that hard ever yeah it's pretty hilarious it's deeply hilarious mm -hmm. i mean and it's, and it's good yeah. it's hilarious because it's quote-unquote bad dynamically because it's on those tires but it's sorted it just has low limits yeah i love that about it yeah i mean it is the thing that it's the reason why we like old cars yeah yeah Exactly. It's, it's uncouth and there's a lot of motion and it tells you how close you are to the limits and limits aren't high so you can use, visit them regularly. It's got no structure. The whole thing, yeah. thing jitters and yeah. Yeah, it's pretty cool. My I'm, I'm a big fan. I definitely, I, I I texted my brother afterward. I said, do not whatever you do drive a Raptor R. He'll have three of them <laughs> knowing your brother. He's like, should I cancel the Rivian order? <laughs> one's a better car, one's a better laugh. Yeah, exactly. I, I better okay one is a better daily transport far more efficient i don't know maybe the rivian will prove insufficient for towing a track car to the track and back for him and then he'll have to get it a gas he's he's doing it now he's waiting for the rivian and he has an explorer st mm -hmm. that he's currently pulling with so i thought oh if it's not too long of a distance that rivian will be fine yeah i don't know I it's like two know. hours each way to the track and back towing hundred miles he could probably do he's gonna have to charge at the track but yeah i don't know you know evs are just not quite there yet for long distance charging but that's a episode for another day yes this has been episode number 105 of the car Mudgeon show anything else to cover and discussing we probably to make sure we go back and see our photos from radwood on our social media because that's has just, just happened. happened the day before yesterday allegedly mm -hmm. um the rover will will have been there Together with the CX. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, that's it. Okay. Come back next week. For additional car mudgeoning.
Potentially on the topic of Hondas. Potentially. If we decide that's what next week's episode is on. We have to have lunch first and then we could, oh, I mean, we have to wait a week first. Yes. That's more behind the scenes, uh, how the sausage is made stuff. We might record a second episode in the same clothes. Maybe. Thanks for joining us. See you next time. Bye.